Hello, hello. Welcome to the Super Strong Bros podcast. I am your host, Mason Nowak, otherwise known as the Enigma Wrapped in an Egg McMuffin. Today, we have Dalton O'Reilly. He's a good friend and personal trainer from Iowa State, who I think does a good job of staying on top of and then disseminating information around the idea of movement optimism. Uh, I would describe it as focusing on the adaptability of the human body and then how your mindset can affect your training, uh, your pain, and your injuries that come from said training. I think it's a good conversation, whether you're just a person who likes to exercise or you work with people, especially if you work with people, I think this is a idea you need to have at the forefront of your mind, but I will just let you listen to it. So. Okay, I have like four actual questions because I figured it'll take a whole two seconds to get off topic. But um, given that this is uh, meant to be consumed by the masses, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I was originally born in southwest Iowa in a town called Creston. And then I graduated high school in 2017 and then decided to go to Iowa State. So I was there from 2017 to 2021. Technically graduated in August of 2021 with kinesiology. And then I moved to Des Moines. And then I worked in Ankeny at a gym called Aspen Athletic Clubs. And I did that from November of 2020 as things started to open back up until May of this year of 2022. And then I got married May 7th. And then my wife and I moved down to Florida. She moved down at the end of May, and then I moved down at the end of June. Yeah. What does she do, if you don't mind me asking? She's a cardiac sonographer, so she does ultrasounds of the heart. So she went to Mercy for two years and did that. And then, so this is her first first full-time job right out out of college. Nice. Yeah. Um, And you, uh, I mean, I guess obviously I know, but... You did the personal training program in Iowa State as well, right? Yeah, so I believe it was second semester of freshman year. Were we in the same class? I believe we were in the same class. At the very least, we were in a bunch of actual classes together. Yes, because I I always try to remember who was in the original class, and I know it was Allie um, from Puerto Rico, and then there was – Nick and Zach, because I remember we were, us three, we were were the youngest ones, and then, God, I can't remember who else was in there. I can't think of his face, because he lives in Columbia, Missouri now, even though I just moved out, um, who also was part of the, like, strength conditioning part, Um, Mike. Yes. Was he in our class? Yeah. Yeah. He was. I didn't Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and then I think it was Sharice and Andy who were, who taught the class. Yeah. Sharice definitely did. I can tell you that. (laughs) I think it was those two. And then, yeah, I don't remember who else, but that was, that would have been big class. It was, it was a very big class. That was January. It started in January of 2018, I think. Might've been 2019. Yeah. Wasn't okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it did that for a couple years and then. Yeah, yeah, but that was that was fun. That was a good yeah. time. All right. Um, now that we have the general introductions out of the way, I guess you know, ah, whatever. I'll record my own intro. Um, I was Go gonna say, it. I guess if this is my first episode, I should probably put myself in there too. Um, so obviously, our our hot button issue we got to immediately jump into is um, get on the page of like movement optimism, right? right? Um, so is, is that the word you prefer to use? Is that what makes the most sense to you? And what does it mean to you? I think movement optimism is like a good enough term to describe everything because right. it doesn't really make it black and white and it allows for a lot of gray areas being optimistic because instead of just saying, oh, this is bad and this is good, you kind of explain like, I don't know how to describe it. To me, it's it's about defaulting to the, um, I mean, most optimistic guesses, right? right? It's like at the end of the day, 
you're going to, you know, you don't have to change what you were planning on doing to get better. Right. But at the very least, you have to believe that, you know, well, I guess not everyone's injured. That's, you know, working in the realm of movement optimism. But like, you're like, oh, I, nothing's inherently dangerous, right? right. Like my training, like my body will adapt to stuff. Like right. I have this complex, adaptable, awesome machine that just, and right, not even machine, right? But like, right. I want to put as much agency and power into my own hands. I don't want it to be something where I'm like, well, exercise did this to me or someone else did this to me. I want to be like, no, I am me and I have enough control over this that like, you know, it's, it's never out of my hands. Right. I always, I always have an impact if I want it. Yep. And going back to the adaptability, it's always important that you have to give your body the chance and the ability to adapt because there's like, you can't go zero to 100 as we know. Right. So you have to still give it that ability and it will happen. You just have to give it a fair chance, so to speak. Yeah. I like to me, that's the biggest difference is like, you know, you can take two people with the exact same training, you know, and the exact same lifestyle recovery type of stuff that's backing it up. But if you have one person who's optimistic, right. And you have one person who's like, neurotic right about their training the optimist is always going to do better in my opinion because like you're just going into everything with such a better more positive mindset where like you believe in yourself right because like to me it's about belief because belief is like crazy underrated in everything lifting oriented right and if you believe something is going to work then there's a higher chance that it is going to work right it's it's funny because like you know, you start talking about belief and stuff like that. It starts to sound very like woo, you know, uh-huh. like, Oh, like immediately I'm gonna get into functional training. I'm gonna bust out like the, the kettlebells and the uh-huh. mace and stuff like that and start doing yoga flows. But like, it's something that's like so well studied that we know does a thing, right? Like I, I always, sometimes with my clients, I would say like, you know, they'd ask about something. I'd be like, well, you know, it doesn't beat out placebo. Right. But right. I'll say a big part of placebo is, beliefs behind something and that doesn't make it a bad thing because what you can do is you can shape your beliefs in a way that helps everything yeah so maybe maybe this isn't a placebo effect that i'm getting maybe it's like i'm curating some sort of um ritual or belief behind something that it's like this is the thing that does this to me even if it doesn't do anything it's my designated like i I guess i should i need a better example um because this now I'm just like I'm turning it into word salad. Well, it's like if you buy into your own belief, then you know, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, um, like I guess th- this is this is the best example for what I'm trying to say is like like with a warm up, right? Like a lot of people, it's not the warm up that prepares them for the workout. It's the them going this prepares me for the workout. You know, yeah. it's not that like I need to warm up necessarily on a super physiological level but i maybe need to work on a psychological level and this is my on switch for my training you know yeah so it's like even if even if this doesn't do shit for me (laughs) on a physiological level i at least am like okay this is what i do and then i i know that i'm ready to go and like i'm in prepared mode yeah it's almost the opposite yeah it's a routine for some people too like yeah i know i've went through these weird phases where like when i'm taking my pre-workout Sometimes I take it right before I leave the gym and then that drive to the gym is like my focus in preparation. And then some people take their pre-workout when they get to the gym. Right. And so even though that like 15, 20 minute difference may not make a significant change, it's still like that preparation, you know, that kind of gets them in the mindset too. So for me, it would be like, I remember over like a, like a winter break, I think. Um, it was like cold as hell out. Right. So you just blast the heat and it was like a 10 minute way to the drive. Like I would throw the hoodie up and everything. I'd blast the heat as hot as I could. So I was Uh like basically sweating by the time I got in the gym and I just fucking blare music for like 10 minutes and then I'd get in, then I'd be normal. Right. Right. Like it was, it was, it was the belief. Um, but on, on the even more data side of that, like this is always my favorite study where they took they took actual powerlifters, right? They didn't even take like random people out of like a rec center, like the average study. They took actual powerlifters, and they gave them a placebo steroid uh-huh. that they they told them? them was like they told them it was an instant steroid, which is funny because if you think about steroids for like two seconds, you should realize that's totally impossible, right? Because right? like they're, they're hormones. There's no instant hormone like that either. Um, but they gave powerlifters, so people who probably should have even been able to tell that it's kind of dumb and people who were already strong and probably had a lot of like 
you know, attempts to increase their self-confidence in terms of lifting or self-efficacy. Yep. And, uh, dudes got instantly stronger. They were taking yeah. a sugar pill and they told them they're taking like freaking turbo D ball and they instantly got stronger, even though they were already like really strong dudes. And I'm talking like 5% increase in a max that day That's right there too. during the testing. And they, they kept having them take this. They're like, all right, six weeks, you know. And these people just kept hitting PRs like week in and week out. And they test them again six weeks later and they hit even bigger PRs. Mm-hmm. And I think at six weeks, they told half of them it was a placebo and they let the others keep going. And so the ones that kept going still made more progress. Really? And the people who were told it was a placebo regressed. Yeah. They went back to their original levels, which is hilarious to me because I'm like, what, dude, you just you just did this. What do you yeah, mean? You yeah, know, like you changed. knew this was all you. But yeah, like if you if you can tell me that you can hand someone a instant steroid and they're instantly going to be better, you can't tell me that all the other beliefs can't also have that same kind of impact, right? Yeah. And kind of going off topic, but like terkestrone, when people <laughs> take that and they, and they swear that it works, right. I, I believe a lot of it is – they say, okay, I'm taking this for 45 days. I need to perfect every single aspect of my training in order to like optimize this supplement. Mm-hmm. So stuff starts, you know, their strength. I'm not, I'm not going to waste my terkesterone with some right, more training. Right. right? <laughs> Cause they're like, okay, if I'm going to take terkesterone, I'm not going to drink while I'm taking it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, eat a ton of food that I don't need to because then it's yeah. going to offset the terkesterone. So they try to be perfect for the next 45 days and right. they make all these changes and then they see a lot of progress. But it's 100%. the fact it's the fact that you started eat or you started sleeping 8 hours a day, you started eating perfect, you started you know perfecting all these things right. and then they they blame it, you know, that's a poor word. Uh, yeah. On the turkestron. It's like no, it's you literally changed every aspect of your lifestyle and but right. then again you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the fact that you're blaming it on the wrong thing. Right. And once you realize what actually caused it, then it it simplifies things, right? Because right. now you know it's not the tercestrone. It's you know that it's a thing you can do all the time with your training that you weren't doing previously. Right. You know, right. like um, I see people joke about and this is kind of the same thing. It's like always after someone gets injured, right, they change everything. Yeah. But a lot of times they just unintentionally changed the things they needed to change in the first place, right? Uh-huh. It wasn't that they needed to do a half hour warm up every time. It was that all of a sudden they backed off, you know, they basically forced deloaded themselves yeah. and they cut their training volume because all of a sudden their training takes longer and they don't have more time to give up. So it's like a 30 and that's why a long warm up can be a good and a bad thing, right? For yeah. some people it's a limiter that they need and for other people it's just a waste of time that they don't have to waste, you right. know. And it can go in the same way. It's like, oh, all of a sudden I don't overshoot my shit anymore. You know, I stay at my RPEs. I get more sleep. I take my nutrition seriously. Yeah. And and then you're like, oh, well, but I started warming up and I got better. Right. And it's like, well, That's... maybe it was the opposite. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's unfortunately, you know, exercise science and even just our us as individuals, it's very hard to – individualized factors in a way that would make it so much easier for us to realize when shit is bullshit and when it isn't. <laughs> right. And cause yeah, <laughs> I feel like in general, we tend to focus on the smaller things and we ignore like all the big things, especially like pain is another example. We take these minuscule effects and we think that that's what's fixing everything and we're ignoring everything else, you know, all yeah. the sleep, the nutrition, all that stuff. So and it's it's like they're the rocks like when people talk about big rocks versus small rocks yeah. in terms of getting stuff done right it's the rocks that are like so big they seem too simple right you yeah. know you're like well obviously like diet and sleep and you know load management like play some sort of role right but then you don't really want to think about it because it's hard to do right like no one isn't sleeping enough and isn't eating enough and is eating freaking you know, a diet that doesn't suit their goals because they just like, don't feel like it. Like they're doing it because there's costs to changing that. Right. Yeah. It's like, that's, you know, you got to give up some of your Netflix or you got to eat the foods that you, you know, right. aren't just whatever you want. Right. You got to prepare and like have your food kind of planned out or like pay more attention. 
Um, and real quick, it was, this reminded me, you're talking about the Tricasterone. I think it was, this is like a game of telephone now. It was, um, Charles Poliquin, like mm-hmm. big, like freaking. I guess probably popular in like the nineties, like somewhere in between sports performance and like just general health stuff. Um, I think it was him who said that the first thing he would have people do is change their daily routine to start every day with like a glass of lemon water. Yeah. And he was like, lemon water didn't do shit, but every day they woke up and the first thing they had on their mind was their own health. Right. Uh-huh. They're like, I am getting healthy. I'm drinking lemon water. And right. even if it did nothing at all, it started every day on the right foot with something that they could crush. Right. Yep. Cause it was like, it was, it was, it was a little thing that was easy to do, but all of a sudden you felt like a winner every uh-huh. day. Right. Cause you're like, well, I'm drinking my lemon water. So. Right. And then after, maybe, you know, four weeks of doing that, it just becomes your, your routine. And then that's when you start implementing more things. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, I drank my lemon water, so I better not eat like 90 plates of nachos today. Like Uh it just keeps it at the forefront of your mind in something that's super easy. Like they could probably, it it would probably be a stronger effect if they just like stared in a mirror and like repeated to themselves, like I am going to crush my diet like a hundred times. But that seems silly and no one wants to do that. Right. But the lemon water is super tangible, right? It's something that's very easy to be like, I drank check mark, yep. you know. I did something. Everyone wants something to do rather than just like these things that don't feel like adding stuff, you know. Yep. We don't we don't always need to add stuff. We just need to do our stuff better. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What um What do you think are the biggest changes you've made as you've sort of shifted to a more movement positive perspective? Uh, I would say whether it's in your language or in your personal training or whatever. So that brings up a good point. I would say there's two points. One of them is not freaking out about flare ups like pain wise, Mm -hmm. kind of just acknowledging that. So instead of let me backtrack. So let's say I've started getting a little bit of shoulder pain. doesn't matter which one, just a little bit of shoulder pain. And it starts bothering me instead of blaming the movement and like rewatching videos of doing bench press, for example, and thinking, Oh, that set, you know, where the bar was a little uneven. That's why my shoulder hurts. Instead of thinking from that aspect, I say, okay, I look at the, you know, the weight, the volume, the intensity. And I say, okay, maybe that was just a little too much for that day. Or, you know, I overshot that a little bit. I did, I did just a little too much, and that's why that pain is potentially there. It's probably going to go away tomorrow or in two days, and then it'll be fine. So instead yeah. of blaming the movement itself and the technique and the form and all that stuff, kind of just looking on the other end of the spectrum and looking at the weight and trying to figure out if it came from that. Or it could just be something that we don't know, and, you know, and it just doesn't even matter because it'll Sometimes go away. it just hurts, you know, yeah, and right. then you just, it, you just get over it and like, you don't change anything and right. time, time heals all wounds. Right. Is what yeah. they say. Yeah. And so instead of sitting there and thinking, man, you know, this sucks, this is going to impact me for the next week. I say, okay, it's cool. You know, it'll yeah. be fine. And chances are it may go away in 30 minutes. It may go away in two hours and right. it may be gone tomorrow and then you don't worry about it. So instead of kind of, freaking out about flare-ups you just stay calm and collective about it and then the other part i don't remember what the other part was uh, i don't remember where i was going good i'll say with like a lot of my clients like that's what i felt like some of my that was the most important thing i could do as a trainer is not catastrophize anything right yeah. like nothing you I wanted to make everything seem like not a big deal because it's true, right? Like at mm-hmm. the end of the day, like nothing really is a big deal. Like it, I, I told them that like unless they got like hit by a car or something, they're probably going to end up okay, right. you know, at, like at worst case scenario in like 12 or 16 weeks, you yeah. know, like that's like literally the worst case. Yep. Half of them are going to feel better by the next week. Um, and so many people just – never had everyone here's the opposite right you hear all the time like oh the shoulder's never been the same since this or like you know oh i my knees hurt because like i grew up dancing or playing volleyball or whatever it was you know it was just always like they had been given such one-to-one things of like this happened i'm fucked you know like just from now on everything is ruined and it's always gonna get worse yep yep i and and like Language is the other part that I was thinking of, just not using that negative language and not, you know, attacking myself, not demonizing everything, just being in high hopes and high spirits that everything is going to be okay. And that has made a huge difference too. 
You know, if you go into a gym and you can tell the people who kind of use that negative language. Oh, it's everybody, dude. Yeah. It's kind of and even me nuts. <laughs> this morning I was at the gym and this gentleman was talking to the owner. He was trying to get some programming and I think he said he squatted 500 and he maybe deadlifted 570. And he was going through the uh, the athlete was going through his videos and he was like talking bad on himself. Yeah. I was like, dude, you squat 500 and you deadlift five six. Like that's pretty honorable for you. Yeah. And yeah. So just, you, you, you like, you're on the right path, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you, if your goal is to do six and six fifty, you know, you're not there yet, but like, you're not, you know, sitting here at like two twenty five, like, ah, oh, fuck I'm doomed. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's, if you just pick up on some of those conversations, you can tell the people that beat themselves and if you could just reverse yeah. that language, you know that can make a huge difference too. I'll get, I'll, I'll get. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I don't know how to describe myself in this way without using too negative language. <laughs> um, I have a hard time like hiding when I disagree with somebody. You know, yeah. like I'll keep my mouth shut, but like my face fucking gives it away every time. Like and like. And it's not on purpose, right? Like, I really, at the end of the day, want to extend as much, like, positivity and understanding to people, you know? Even if someone's doing the opposite of what I agree with, like, I, I can find some reason that I'm like, I understand why you're doing this. Yep. I just wish you didn't, you know? Yep. And even but, if you may not agree with it, you still understand where they're coming from. Right, yeah. But I had a lot of coworkers in my old place. And honestly, like I can say very confidently the place that I worked at um, in Missouri um, was the best personal training facility probably in the entire state. Like it was it was just a really good place to be. Everyone was super serious about training, you know, and like they knew their shit. Right. Right. Um, versus like you walk into the average gym and like it can be a nightmare for some trainers. Like you see just a lack of professionalism or just not knowing what the fuck they're talking about. So everyone was like easily top 1% of like all trainers like yeah. ever. Right. Um, but occasionally I would hear shit like across the room or whatever that like, I, it just, it tore me up inside because I'm like, dude, your person's back is going to hurt three times as long. If you keep telling them that like, if they don't do their fucking dead bugs, they explode or like, yeah. I don't know. Like, and some of it was hypocritical, you know, people would like, they do Jefferson curls one day because like fucking, Ben Patrick made it popular, right? right? And then the next day they'd be like, well, don't flex your spine during squats or deadlifts, you know, or you'll like, you'll get hurt. And I'm like, you can't have both, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's like they're putting value on the Jefferson curls. They're looking at the movement. And then when you mm-hmm. actually look at the spinal flexion, like, oh no, that's bad. But a Jefferson curl, that's cool. I mean, that's fine. Because it's, it's too, it's too binary, right? Like yeah. you, you view things as individual tools instead of global concepts, you know, you yeah. need to be like what is my total load of spinal flexion versus the amount of tolerance that I have during this, you know, however long period of time. Yeah. Right. Cause that's what it breaks down to. That's, that's sort of what drives me nuts about all the people that claim movement optimism is anti-intellectualism that they hate biomechanics and shit like that. And I'm like, look at the end of the day, I don't think anyone that's into movement optimism hasn't already fucking nerded out in biomechanics a hundred times over. Yeah. Right. We just realized that like, one individual measurement of forces or angles or whatever the hell you're claiming is so catastrophic does not make or break anybody. It's, it's, it's so much more global than that. It's every other thing combined. Like yeah. you can, it's uh, the, the graphs where they make like circles of varying sizes. Right. And mm-hmm. like, it's like, this is all that matters. And it's like, okay, well if you did that with pain or injuries or whatever, yeah. Like, you know, honestly, at least like 25% of it's biomechanics. Right. Yeah. But like, training load at the end of the day is like pretty, it's another extension of biomechanics, right? Yeah. It's like maybe a Jefferson curl, you know, I'm not telling anyone they need to load Jefferson curls higher than their deadlift max and just pull it and they'll be fine. Right. Right. Because like on a, on a, just a physical level, like, you know, I have to well. acknowledge you are made of physical structures that are affected by gravity and stuff like that. Yeah. And they have their own limits. But like, I, I believe that, you a human being can adapt to anything right i i really i don't want to ever say you can't adapt anymore to something right because there's no point like to hold that belief is harmful to my own training mm-hmm. if it doesn't help me even if it's untrue if it doesn't help me i'm gonna stick with it right yeah like obviously like i'm sure if people start doing like 30 foot depth drops off of like a, a roof onto the ground Maybe they'll hit a point where, you know, they're just going to get injured every time and yeah. they can't adapt anymore. They're yep. stuck at 29 feet or whatever the fuck it is. Right. But like I – until I reach that limit, 
and if 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 I want to go past that limit, I can't tell myself the limit exists. You right. know. Yeah. And it's optimism at it the end is. of the day. And going back to kind of the pain topic, I actually saw this. I think it was on social media somewhere, but let's say you have a client who has, we'll go back to shoulder pain. Say you have a client who has shoulder pain. If whether it's throughout the session or each time you see them, if you bring up that shoulder pain, it may not make it any better if, if you're constantly reminding them of that shoulder pain. You're, you're, you're picking a mental scab. Yeah. You know, so, I know Stu McGill talks about picking the scab for all your spinal flexion. Well, what about picking the mental scab? Right. If every time I, I flex my spine, I immediately make it the worst thing in the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if, if each time you see them and you're like, hey, how's your shoulder? They're like, eh, it's still bothering me. Next time you see them, hey, how's your shoulder? You know, it's still bothering me. But if you just maybe ignore that and they don't mentally think about that and next thing you know, they're doing stuff and their shoulder doesn't bother them. You know, and mm-hmm. it, I can't say for certain that constantly asking them is going to make it worse. Right. But I, I can't see it necessarily making it better depending on how you ask them or how you phrase it right i would i would say like don't baby them right because like it's fine to ask right but like it's how you respond to that asking right because you know you probably shouldn't ask them every five minutes you know because then it just kind of weirds them out right yeah yeah but um you know if if when they respond and they're like, Oh, it doesn't feel very good. Then you're like, cool, let's warm up, see how it feels. Yep. You know, like yep. you, you just, you just roll with the punches. You're like, okay, you know, one feeling right now is not the feeling of your entire life. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. I was yeah, going to say something else too, but I don't remember. I was gonna not truly shift the topic because of course these go hand in hand. Um, how do you feel uh, about, the world of memes as it comes to fitness education. There's definitely, I mean, there's pros and cons to it. Right. I think maybe our society, I don't want to say we respond better to memes because you could easily get offended by a meme too. You can be offended by anything. You can, (laughs) but maybe the point gets across better through humor. Yeah. Depending on the format of the meme too. And if you, like make a funny meme and you see like both sides of the argument within that meme, maybe it kind of makes more sense. Like there, uh, one of the meme formats is, um, there's, a, there's two people on a train and one's looking out a sunny side and one's looking out like a dark yeah, side. Yeah. And so when you see both sides of that, then you kind of understand or like you begin to favor one side over the other. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's so many it, it formats, can... but. I mean, that's just how humans go, right? They love forming their camps, right? right. They love being dogmatic about stuff. And, right. you know, a lot of times memes, sometimes I have to roll my eyes at memes because I'm like, bro, like you're, you're just antagonizing, you right. know, like you yeah. didn't actually, you didn't, you didn't want to make a point here. You just wanted to be a dick, Yeah. which, you know, there's a time and a place because sometimes people are just so big of assholes. They should just be made fun of, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, you don't, you don't want to just be them with holding a different opinion, right? Because yeah. the whole, the, the end goal is to be more correct or to have more tools that help you get somewhere. Yep. And if you're overly dogmatic, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, oh man, am I am I going to be locked out of meeting ends in ten minutes? Will it just shut off? I think so. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I have didn't to, know they did that. I don't. Same. I think it's new. Um, and maybe it's because I'm recording. We'll see. Maybe we'll just start another one because it's not a big deal. Yeah, that's fine. I can just stitch them together. Um, either way, I, I, I plan to wrap this up by 1030 anyways, not hold you here too long. No, that's cool. But um, that's cool. I'll, I'll just give you like a 30-second warning. We'll try again. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. The, so I, I always find it funny. Um, the concept in like culture of the fool or the jester, like, you know, like uh, tarot cards and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's the one. It's the fool, and it's the jester. It's the guy, you know, the royal court's jester, right? Mm-hmm. And part of the 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 mythos behind the fool is that they're the only person that can actually communicate anything negative to the king, mm-hmm. because they're the only person that can deliver it in the way that the king sees it, you know, yeah. because if you have like your top advisor or whatever, tell you some shit you don't want to hear, all of a sudden you're pissed at him and you don't want to listen to him and he doesn't listen to you. And, but the whole point of the jester is you can't, no matter what he fucking says, you can't throw him out of the court. You can't behead him because that's his job. Right. His job is to make fun of the shit no one else is allowed to make fun of. Yep. And I think that holds some value in the memes because it puts things into 
um, a format where you're able to think about it differently because it can be really hard to just hand someone like like a fucking booklet of studies and be like, read all of these and change your opinion, you know, versus like if someone shares a meme and they, they show your perspective from a different angle and maybe it's a little bit of a straw man because that happens all the time Uh too. Um, it it at least makes you think, right? Because at the end of the day, that's kind of, I would view them in the same category as art where the number one goal is to make you think something different than you thought before. It doesn't have to be something that helpful. Maybe like maybe you think a new thought and you're like, wow, that's dumb. And then you just move on. But at least like it got the wheels turning in a direction they don't normally turn. Yep. Yeah. And those memes, they, like we said, when they show both sides of an argument, it almost makes you realize how silly one, one side is. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, I, I get it now. So I think the format of memes and the delivery of it can definitely help you make a decision for yourself or begin to see, like, the more correct side of everything. Even if it's not completely right, it's still more correct. It'll it'll move you towards truth, right? Yes. It doesn't yes. – you know, there's no such thing as an absolute truth, at least – I would can say pretty confidently in exercise science, we don't have a lot of absolute truths. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I'd love it if we did, but we just don't. Yep. And, <laughs> Believe me, I've looked. I've looked for them. They don't, uh-huh. They're not fucking there, bro. And that's the hard uh-huh. part: is there's never going to be the right answer. There's just always going to be a more correct answer. Right. And so even with that's, like yeah. the exercise selection, there's never going to be the right movement. It's just going to be the most correct movement, given the person, their goals. You know, literally all, every single thing is going to come down to the most correct, not the right one. Yeah. Right. How did you know the next and only other thing on my list of topics is optimization in quotes? <laughs> yeah, because that's been our conversation the past three weeks. <laughs> it's fucking forever till the end of time. Um, yeah, that that's always hilarious to me because like – and I'm, I won't say any names because like – my goal isn't truly to start beef with anybody right. like, and it doesn't matter because like I'm way smaller than everyone that I would ever start beef with half the time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, both digitally and physically, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, 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 the actual problem with optimization, cause that's the fucking thing is like everyone who's ever nerded out on training has been seeking optimization for like minimum, like fucking five years straight. Right. right. Like it's so hard to not seek the idea of optimization because it sounds so nice. But it's only when you do it for long enough that you realize like it just doesn't really exist because it's to certain people's credit. If you have hyper specific scenarios in which you've basically optimized other factors that aren't training, it makes it easier to narrow down what optimal truly is, right. you know, and because like, you know, at the end of the day, everything's at least a little bit wishy-washy. Like you can't guarantee anything for every individual, but there's certain things that like, like, yeah, no shit. At the end of the day, I'm not going to do bicep curls to train my pecs. Right. Like, right. you know, yeah. like I can admit that there's at least some sort of spectrum that exists, yep. but like to, there's, there's a lot of leaps in logic that are made where it's like, well, if, this chest fly isolates my upper pec fibers, you know, more than the other chest fly. That's better. And I'm like, why is it better? Like, how do I know that optimizing or isolating this is more optimal? Yep. How do I know that just getting something that creates a crazy stimulus on my entire pecs isn't the more optimal option? Because, you know, EMG data or fiber alignment and busting out the fucking protractor yeah it sounds really nice and it seems more optimal because it seems like if you think about something more and you make it more intellectual it has to be better but then you have to you have to i think there's another step above intellectualism that's more intellectual yeah where you ask yourself wait you know are the things i'm assuming are are better actually better right yeah because there's a lot of things that we assume are better, but it's based, it's in, it's incomplete. It's not a true, you know. We don't have a reason to declare 100 confidently that is better. Yep. You know, like I'm I'm big on like RP stuff, and I think that I've seen a lot of data where you want to take something through a really large range of motion, like you're given you're given muscle, you want to take it through a really large range of motion, and you want it to be like well loaded in the stretch position. Mm-hmm. And I can't really speak any more definitively on what makes good exercise choices right. besides that. Yeah. If your goal is muscle building, I'm like, you need to get a really good loaded stretch and try to get 
add weight over time because if you add weight over time, we can guarantee you're probably going to build muscle. Yep. That's that's really about as dogmatic as I can get. Yep. And I'll even admit that like there's plenty of people who have not increased weight on an exercise in probably like three years and have probably still put on muscle. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Do you? Th- I think it's a small percentage, but yeah. Looking big picture, do you think it, it's probably more so outside of the gym, but in terms of like optimization, do you think a lot of us are aiming for optimization without realizing it? Like, let's say because of one's lifestyle, let's say, you know, a, a new parent and they can't sleep eight hours a night because of their child. So they mm-hmm. sleep five or six throughout the night and then they take a nap. Sleeping five to six hours a night may not be optimal, but then they're sleeping two or three hours in a nap and that is the most optimal that they can get. So do you think that we naturally are trying to be optimal without thinking if that makes sense um like do you think that we naturally like i don't i don't know how to phrase it i'll, I'll try i'll try to take it and let me know if this isn't the way you were thinking um where everything's optimal according to your priorities right that's always my biggest beef and it's funny because that's where – that's when I was arguing with some of those bigger guys. That's where they stopped responding to me yeah. where I was like, look, like if you're a bodybuilder that has an infinite amount of time to dedicate to the gym and you already have an infinite amount of resources, like those dudes are eating meals in the gym, right? Yeah. Like they're yeah. eating a meal before they work out and after they work out and they're drinking like a fucking intra-workout shake. You'd be surprised how many like big-name fitness professionals, literally their issue is that they are so busy doing their job that they can't eat. Like – um. Uh, the guy at UNC, he's a like strongman competitor, but he's a football strength conditioning coach. Uh, Heck, not Charlie Heck. I think that's his brother. John, not John. Either way, the dude's like fucking 6'6", and he's like 350, and he's fucking ripped. And he's uh-huh. fucking jacked. He just pulled like 800. It's nuts. But like he's slamming blended chicken shakes yeah. in between his football teams because he literally has 30 seconds to eat before another lift starts Uh you know it's like literally how long can you step away without everyone like or like anyone noticing that's the amount of time you have to eat today Uh and like you know if you're like i see people who are like i drink um eaas or bcaas or gatorade and stuff like that Uh not because i think that like intra-workout is necessary but because if i don't eat that intra-workout i have now like basically made myself intermittent fasting and i've yep. made my eating window too small like i need to i just need to get calories in all the time right because i'm so fucking busy like i can't eat like six meals a day you know and so i think it's funny when people act like you can just do like 90 exercise variations for every fucking fiber because i'm like dude like have you ever met a person who didn't live for bodybuilding uh-huh. which is 99 percent of lifters not even just ignoring the general population most lifters are people with fucking jobs and families right okay we got to start another one we're on less than a minute okay um be right back maybe it'll take me like two minutes to figure all this right out. that's cool <laughs> Recording stopped. Okay. Do you want me to leave this one? Yeah, I might have to just start another one. We'll okay. see. Yes, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. Recording in progress. Okay. okay. Cool. We're good again. Um, what were we talking about? The so the optimization. So yeah, and like you said, the the eating the protein or the not the chicken shake. Yeah. To, to literally ninety percent of the population, that's probably not optimal because it's probably doesn't taste good. Kind of gross. You know, so, but for right. that person, that is the best solution for them. So, in my yeah. eyes, that's optimal for them, but it's not optimal for 99% of the other people. Right. And, like, it's, I'm a fucking nerd at the end of the day, right? Like, I wouldn't be, like, doing, like, podcasts about fucking movement optimization if, it, like, I didn't love nerding <laughs> out about this shit, right? Like, and that's, that's always funny to me when, like, people say that, like, 
movement optimism is anti-intellectual, you know, yeah. like, and it's only done because people don't understand biomechanics and want to learn biomechanics, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, bro, like right now I could tell you like, well, actually chicken shakes aren't optimal because chewing your food like begins this like process in your fucking brain and, you know, yep. your saliva glands and cause you to secrete probably fucking stomach acid or something, uh-huh. right? Because there's research on that too that I've also read, but like you have to stop and be like, what? matters more you know it's 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 optimal is what matters more it's not what is the best it's what matters the most right now you know it's never about picking the smartest option it's about picking the best option i like do you want to be smart do you want to be a smart trainer or do you want to be a good trainer Mm -hmm. because there are so many people out there that are smart as fuck and then you need them to like take a deep breath and be like dude you're smart you know you're smart your clients know you're smart but you're not providing them value by being smarter. You know, you provide more value by giving them things that are useful. Right. And sometimes what's useful is fucking yelling at them right. to do one more rep. Right. And I, I'm not even a yeller. Right. But like, I can admit there's like utility and like CrossFit and stuff like that because mm-hmm. it motivates the fuck out of people. Right. And all of a sudden they're willing to go and they're willing to do stuff. Even if it's some of the things I see that I think are the dumbest thing in the world, they're fucking doing them and they're doing it with effort yep. <laughs> and they're doing them in a positive environment that keeps them coming back. Right. So like even the CrossFit people are better at that shit than I am. Mm-hmm. And it's it's probably arguably the opposite of intellectual sometimes. Right, but it works. But yeah, it's like it's more important. Like, I can't pretend that if I walked into a CrossFit gym and started like trying to fix everyone's power clean form, they would be better off than just training with their guy. Yeah. Because first off, they'd probably fucking hate me. Yeah. They'd be like, "This guy sucks. Mm-hmm. He's a nerd." <laughs> Yeah. And he's just nitpicking my shit when I just want to like, you know, fucking do sandbag throws to like puke. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of it can just be that group atmosphere and, you know, what they're already doing is working. It may not be the most perfect thing, but they're there. They're putting an effort. They're around people they enjoy. They're having fun. That is a lot more important in that scenario than perfecting what they're doing. It's funny, like in the strength and conditioning world, um, a ri- it's the most every, – everyone in strength and conditioning thinks they're like a fucking psychology master, which uh-huh. I'm not. Like that's by far my weakest shit is like I, I wish I was a better person-to-person type skills and stuff like that. Yep. But like they're so big on body language there mm-hmm. and they'll be like never cross your arms because it's closed off body language. Every fucking – strength coach over the age of 30 says that and uh-huh. they repeat it like it's the worst thing in the world to cross your arms and then meanwhile they're huge assholes to their kids so their kids don't even listen to them right and i'm like it doesn't matter if your arms are crossed your kids aren't open like they say it's because it closes you off right i'm like your kids are closed off to you because you're a dick dude right like, yeah it doesn't matter where your arms are yeah that's irrelevant yeah it's it, it, it's one of those things where it sounds nice because it's super tangible and it's very black and white and it's like you can find fucking research behind it and it's like you just you have to ask what's more important you know like your arms being crossed or the fact that like all your kids hate you <laughs> right yeah uh, yep yeah and there's even it's, some things like when you're sitting in a chair you know like the, even your body language like during an interview Right, and yeah, and you're like you, sh- you should be like this, and you should lean forward a little bit. You should, yeah. you shouldn't cross your arms, you know. And yeah, yeah. It, that's that stuff. Always, I'm just like I can't be bothered, you know. Yeah. Like I, that's I don't want to waste any energy thinking about that because it 99 percent of the time doesn't get me anywhere. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and once you get nervous or whatever, you're gonna go into your natural tendencies regardless. Yeah. So, and I know that's more so an interview, not the athletic setting, but uh, some, sometimes I don't know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, well, okay. More personal pet beef. They'll be like, don't cross your arms. I'm like, well, bitch, it's cold in here. So. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you do it without even thinking, you know, you start yeah. doing that yeah. stuff. I don't have anywhere to put my hands. Like, give me a fucking stopwatch or something to just stare at. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Or your hands in your pocket. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, you can't put your hands in your pocket either for the same mm-hmm. reasons. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, there's so many things that some it's sometimes it's about sounding nice more than it's about you know so much coaching gets done for the coach rather than the client yeah and like another common one strength conditioning is like abc always be coaching you know mm-hmm. like that's how you become a better coach is like never shut up like literally always be like cueing or whatever and i'm like dude sometimes the best thing you can do is like fucking like leave the kid alone you know right. i i mean i had I, I i did this i had a, a kid at iowa state where like 
you know, we were doing like um, something like a power clean complex, I think, where like they would RDL and then they would do like a clean and then they would do a front squat and then they would do like a full one where you catch low and stuff like that. Yeah. Like just trying to break it down a little bit and then put it together. And I was just giving them some stuff because like they were like a nice kid, you know, they were easy to talk to and like, you know, they, they seemed receptive to coaching. And, you know, it's a big room, so I'm walking around trying to give it to everybody. But I, I, I must have said three total things to them that that particular complex and then all of a sudden they're like why are you dogging on me like like leave me alone you know uh -huh. like what like what am i doing so wrong you have to keep like cueing me and i was like oh you know i'm literally just trying to be helpful i'm right. trying to abc right yeah <laughs> and sometimes you just gotta go okay well sounds like they're doing good and if i say literally any more words to them they're just gonna like they're gonna fuck it up mentally because they're gonna like feel like they're being watched by the fucking watchtower Yep. And yeah. some of my favorite clients, like the sessions itself, some of the best times were not even like exercise related. Oh, absolutely. Like you're just talking about everything else besides exercise. The sessions go smoothly, you know, mm -hmm. the client does what they need to do, you know, and it goes super well. And it's almost the opposite of always coaching, but there is a time yeah. and a place for that. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a blend, right? Um, I'll, I'll give like two opposite examples of clients. I got, I got really lucky and my first client of the day was always at 5.30 mm -hmm. and he was, um, thank God he didn't want me to say a word to him. He did not want me to have any personal conversation with him. Yep. He was like, he's like, you, you know, I, I mean, he didn't say it, but he's frankly probably thinking, I don't want to be here at 5.30, you know. Yep. I don't even like working out, bro. I just know it's good for me. Uh -huh. So like, he wouldn't, he wouldn't take water breaks because he didn't want to waste a second of our training, right? He wanted yeah. to get every dollar out of our training. Um, and like very quickly I realized if I make small talk with this guy, he's going to hate me more, right? Right? He will love me if I don't say a word. Uh -huh. And he did. I mean he, he had – I think he like – he said like good things to my boss, right? He was yeah. like, I, I like this guy, you know, and I – made zero small talk with him. I don't like, we barely knew a thing about each other. I would give him cues when he needed it, yep. but I would hand him the weights and I'd tell him what to do. Right. Yep. And like, it was just like, what's the most efficient thing you can do. And that's actually, that's another thing off optimal is like, how optimal is it to spend an hour teaching your fucking special fiber peck fly during a training session? And how optimal is it to make that person do as many hard sets right. of fucking incline dumbbell bench press? You know, yeah, you're just going to turn them because away. Yeah, like some sometimes the at the end of the day, if I, my goal is to get these people healthier and in better shape and stronger and whatever, the best thing I can do is make their workout as quick and streamlined as possible. Because yep. if we're wasting time setting up the fucking perfect chest fly height, that's every minute I spend setting up chest flies is a minute we spend not working pecs. Yep. You know, and, it, and if you think if they want to do that workout on their own, you know how hard that's going to be for them to remember remember what rung it was on, what attachment you yeah. use, and let's say that that attachment or that, you know, cable pulley is taken. They're, yeah. they're screwed well, because they think that's the best one to do and they can't do anything else. I, I worked in a private personal training facility, so they couldn't even come in after hours. They would have to go do any extra workouts in another gym. Yeah. So like a lot of times I was trying to teach them stuff I know could be easily replicated, right? Yep. Like a lot of exercises would be way better on a cable stack or on a machine or something like that. And I didn't do it. I picked the dumbbell variation, yep. which I think is like – objectively worse but what it meant is we never had to wait for that machine yep, you know yep. the setup time was like setup time eventually became more important than anything else right, right? because i'm like how much work can we fit in our session yeah um yeah so i had that guy who didn't want to hear a word and i had a woman who one of my favorite clients by the end like we worked together for I mean, I was only there for a year and a half. So max, we worked together for a year and a half. Uh -huh. She wasn't really working out before. She had a good history, but um, by the end, she was able to do like six chin-ups, yeah. you know, which is like crazy for a soccer mom I, in the most nice way. Literally every week we talk about how her kids had soccer. Uh -huh. um, but like she, by the end, she could do freaking six pull-ups and like do sets of 15 with her body weight on deadlift and yeah, shit like that. And impressive. we were doing three half-hour sessions every week and, you know, she was just a person who had everything else to do. Yep. To me, that's impressive as fuck. She was a hard yes. worker. It was awesome. Yep. But like we'd shoot the shit. Yeah. Like she, she – um, to get a little bit more specific, she had like something kind of asthma-ish, right? Mm -hmm. So we couldn't really push the pace as hard as like maybe some other people would. So we would shoot the shit in between sets because we had to rest completely between uh -huh. sets. Yep. Um, 
and it still fucking worked. Yeah. You know, like you just have to look at each individual person be like, some people need, need to vent to you today and mm-hmm. they don't even need that crazy workout. They just need to move their body and like get their mind off their day. Yep. And other people just need to be brutalized every time they come in, like That's a fucking throw them in the wood chipper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to match their energy, both the person and almost session to session. Yeah. Cause like you said, that five thirty person, He's probably like that every single time, you know, then there's yeah. some people who they have their down days and they have their up days. So it kind of, you know, I'll, but. I'll even talk about that woman. She, she had three times a week, but two of them were in the morning and one was in the afternoon and she wasn't a morning person. Uh-huh. So Monday, Wednesday, I did not say half as much as I said on Friday, yeah. Monday, Wednesday, we came in, I, you know, we kept exercises like, um, lower total load, if yeah. that makes any sense. So like, we would do deadlifts on Fridays and yep. say goblet squats on like Mondays solely because we didn't need as much time to warm up. I didn't have to worry about her like having to focus on technique very much. Like I gave her the simple stuff Monday, yep. Wednesday that was done with a little bit lighter weights. And then on like Fridays, it was our heavy day because she was like in the zone more, yep. you and know, and she probably looked and, forward to those Fridays too. Right. And to me, that was the most optimal way to do things. It right. was like this training split isn't based on fucking recovery times right. and muscle groups. It's based on I don't like working out at 8 a.m. You know, yeah. like sometimes that's the most optimal thing. Uh-huh. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you want to do like a social media plug or something like that? I mean, you're I mean, you, I do a show I direct people to your fitness account, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've went through a lot of phases with that account, and you know, now it's mainly just a training account where I just post. Um, well, maybe you just if you just want hella likes on your training account, yeah, I'll plug I, you anyways. Yeah, because I'll, I'll I'll definitely bring you back on, you know, because I know that we're fucking DMing each other all the time, yeah. stupid memes and shit. And, you know, I'm sure we could do a million 45 minute ones just based Probably. on the flavor of the week, yeah. right? Um, so you're, you're at O O'Reilly fitness. Um, I don't know how someone would spell this any other way, but it's literally O R I L E Y fitness. Yep. Um, that's the training log. It's the meme dump. It's everything important. What, what's Instagram for besides memes and watching your strong friends lift weights? That's about Um, it. Right. (laughs) I don't know. I cannot name a better use for it. Um, but, you know, I used to think that social media was a really bad place to get information, but you're just, then I just realized I was looking at the wrong sources and there, and I'm not on Twitter anymore, but uh, there's a lot and a lot of important information that people, that researchers post to Twitter. And then of course they post their screenshots from Twitter to Instagram. Right. So if you're looking at the right sources, I mean, I've learned so much through social media, whether that sounds good or bad. Yeah. There's just so I'm, much I'm the- content on there, you know? Yeah. I'm the same way, right? Where like I'll tell people every day, like read, read as many books as you can on training. Like even if they fucking suck, yep. they're probably better than they're they're beating the average at least probably on yep. social media posts just through barriers to entry. Um, although, ask me for recommendations if you're confused, right. and then you you know you won't have to read a book about keto and kettlebells. Um, I don't hate kettlebells. I've I've dogged kettlebells twice now, but I don't actually hate kettlebells. Yeah. They're just. Um, they don't go that heavy sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I have the uh, Mark um, – no, sorry, Mike. Mike Bartos power pin. It's a plate-loaded kettlebell swing. Uh-huh. And that motherfucker deadlifts like 850 and he <laughs> like does half of his training volume is those fucking like 200-pound kettlebell swings. Yeah. So I can't say kettlebells don't work. I just – average gym, they go up to like 30 pounds. And yeah. I'm like, cool, you're way stronger than 30 pounds. Right. Uh, either way. Yep. Um, they do have their limitations but – Yeah. But yeah. God, what was I talking about for kettlebells? Books. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. There's so many people on social media that post awesome content. There's just also a lot that don't. Yes. So, you know, on the off chance anyone ever listens to this that isn't already following me on social media at Mason the Neck on Instagram, <laughs> um, go there. I, I'll repost good shit all the time. I'll occasionally post good shit of my own. But, like, it's... I've learned so much through social media, which sounds bad to say, and I hate saying it, but yeah. it's so true. There's some people that like, at the end of the day, social media is a way to disseminate information, and it's up to you 
to whether or not they're a good source or not, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you want to get stronger, you're going to have to learn to turn that BS filter on anyways. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so many sources and it, it, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in, in the information. Like I, I think one of the biggest topics that I see through various accounts is posture is one anterior pelvic tilt pain in general you mean those three topics alone could generate so many avenues so many opinions so many experiences so many beliefs i'll tell people to stay off the explore page the explore page sucks that's people just gaming the algorithm follow follow us too and then when we post somebody you can follow the people they post and then before you know it you'll be following two thousand people just like i am and you have way too much shit on instagram Uh but like half of them are fucking gold so right right (laughs) Yeah, but there's so many there's so many topics that yeah out there, and the tricky thing is, it's hard to get people to change their mind over something like posture. If you say posture doesn't necessarily matter as much as you think it does, that is not going to go well. Dogmatic stuff like it goes down easy, right? Like yes. it's very easy to drink the Kool Aid of something that someone says this is how things go. Um, have you seen the Elite FTS T-shirt that just says it depends? I don't think so. Well, that's sort of like, that's the meme in strength conditioning. It's like, you cannot ask a strength conditioning coach literally anything without them starting it with, it depends when they answer, you know, yep. like you ask them what they had for fucking lunch and they're like, well, it depends on, you know? <laughs> but like, honestly, like if, if, if you know anybody in that's you're using as a, like an intellectual source for probably any topic yep. and they don't say it depends like pretty often, um, you should be like kind of concerned, but right. especially fitness, like it depends is like, it's it's a joke because it's so fucking true. Like yes. you just cannot escape. It depends. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it, yeah. Like you said, if someone can formulate like the most perfect answer every single time, they're probably only That's looking concerning. the right way. That's yeah. so concerning. Yeah, and yeah. even like throughout this, we may like think one way, but we see someone else's perspective, right. even if yeah. we don't agree with it. I, like I said, like it depends sometimes doing one set to failure of incline dumbbell bench press is the best when you're doing half hour training sessions yep. like my clients were. And sometimes spending freaking three hours in the gym, hitting every fiber of your pec to exhaustion is optimal. I will admit there are times where that is optimal. Yep. It just, it's, it's, well, it may be optimal. I'll say that, but like just to like make everything so dogmatic sucks ass it, it drives does. me nuts <laughs> my biggest thing is let's say you, you have that inclined dumbbell bench and then you have all these chest flies if you were to look at the baseline of each movement and then compare it like six weeks later you know like what would be the true difference right you know because it's not gonna just come down to the movement it's gonna come down to their sleep their nutrition their yeah. stress their beliefs their intensity so one person could be doing cable flies terribly, you know, and someone else could be doing the incline and they're yeah. going to go completely different ways because right. it comes down to everything else except for the movement sometimes. Yeah. I always like, I always break it down to like, look around, look at the collective of people that qualify as jacked in your mind and then look at how diverse their training and nutrition and lifestyle are. Yep. I, I know a guy who he competes in strongman, amateur strongman, and he's shredded and I've met him in person and I almost guarantee he's not taking anything and he's just, he's fucking everything I could dream of being. Yep. And the motherfucker sleeps four hours a night because he works a crazy job and he cares about his family and he has to do all his training before they even wake up. So he's training at like fucking 4 or 3 a.m. just to get it out of the way. And he's doing these insane volumes that I think are nuts. And I think like literally I think it just borders on masochism, you know. Yeah. And it works for him. Oh, and also he doesn't eat carbs. He like just, he just like doesn't really believe in like carbs either. Yeah. And I'm like, look, dude.
I disagree with almost everything you say from my own training, but like, fuck, who am I to say that it doesn't work? Right. Like, yeah. Mike Menser did one set to failure once every like fucking 14 days on half yeah. his body parts. And then you got other people who are doing like fucking splits where they're hitting push movements twice a week and they're doing 50 sets Yeah. and both of them got react in the end. So yeah. like, Maybe some shit just doesn't matter and you can just figure out what you like the most. Yeah, and going back to the sleep, like we talked about at the beginning, if you have a newborn parent who can't sleep eight yeah. hours a night, but they're sleeping five and then they're getting a two-hour yeah. nap, that is the most optimal given right. the situation. Yeah, like like the research is pretty clear. Like naps are worse than consistent sleep, yeah. but more sleep is better than no sleep. Yeah, that's like the whole so like sleeping Get position. things as good as you can. Yeah, it's like if you've got someone who's – sleeping you know four or five hours a night and then they also have like a a healthcare professional who's telling them that they're sleeping wrong yeah. it's like are we going to focus on sleep quality the, or, or quantity? quantity you know uh I'll, I'll end this on my favorite note um jm blakely if you listen to any of his table talks uh-huh. on elite fts he's, he's my favorite but like he's my favorite just because he does his own shit right uh-huh. like there's no one like jm blakely he did not copy anybody to get where he is um and he's like, look, don't worry about protein because once you eat 6,000 calories a day, the protein finds a way to get in. You know? yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's kind of that way sometimes. It's like, sure, am I going to tell everybody to slam McDonald's hamburgers? No. But if J.M. Blakely has to slam them because he admits that you can basically swallow them whole, right. <laughs> that's fine with me. Uh-huh. Okay. I got to get going. I also have to pee so bad. So right. I'll unfortunately <laughs> just dump you out of here. Once again, this is Dalton. Good guy, Iowa State. He's really on top of um, just kind of sorting through some of the movement optimism type stuff in fitness and just like how biomechanics ends up mattering more so compared to how much maybe everything else matters. And I think he just – he provides a very level-headed approach that – you know, at the very least, everyone could use a healthy splash of added into their life and training. Yes. So O'Reilly Fitness, follow him, watch the good memes, watch him learn how to hook grip. Don't you dare start <laughs> mix gripping, you monster. We're working on um, the uh, calluses here. I, I know. I get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm there too with you. Yeah. All right. Have a good day, man. Thank you, Mason. Yeah.